Hello and welcome to a special episode of the STFC Fan Chat. Uh, when the lads and I put some ideas together for what we'd like to do in our summer schedule, one of the first replies that I got was to do this special on Alan McLaughlin. This is not to be a tribute, but more of a celebration. Just over a month ago, we lost a true legend of the game, a man who made over 100 appearances as a Robin, over 300 at Portsmouth, and got over 40 caps for his country. I believe you can measure a man not just by his own personal achievements, but by the impact on other people's lives that he has. And the outpouring of emotion from fans, former teammates, and members of the Swindon Town youth setup since his untimely death shows you how respected and inspirational an individual he was. I'm joined tonight by Craig, Rich, Warren, and Christian, and a load of the other guys from the uh, from the fan chat wanted to be involved as well in this in this particular episode. Unfortunately, work commitments, etc., meant they couldn't be. Uh, good evening, guys. How are you all? Evening, Steve. Evening. Oh, yeah. Um, Craig, this one was uh, particularly poignant for you that you wanted to do this episode when I asked for ideas for the summer schedule. Uh, why was it so important to you? And, and you know, take us right back to, to some of your memories of when he was at town. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it goes back to that season that we um, that we beat Sunderland in the um, playoff final. But um I, I couldn't afford to go to watch Swindon in that day, so I just listened to them on the radio and um, saw the goals on TV. And uh, I mean, I was nine, I think, at the time, and all my friends were like, their favourite player at Swindon was Duncan Shearer or Colin Calderwood, players like that. Whereas for me, I, I kept hearing Alan McLaughlin and everything and how well he was playing in games. And and I, and I was thinking, you know, he's, um, you know, he's someone I, I really, really like. And then, of course, he scores that goal at... Wembley, all right, with a little bit of luck, but um, and he went from being my favourite player to being my hero, and um, as well as the, the heartbreak that we had from the demotion that season, then you had the heart heartache a few months later when your favourite player and your hero gets um gets sold, you know. So um, yeah, he had a huge influence on on me as a, as a Swindon Town fan, and was one of my first sort of early heroes, really. And Christian, when we were talking off air, you you were saying words very similar about how, you know, he was one of the main men as, as you were um, forming a love for Swindon. Yeah, that, I mean, that 1989-1990 season was, was the highlight of me following Swindon Town, to be honest with you. Um, my my dad had recently moved, he moved to South Thurney near Simon Sister and... Um, we, I used to go and stay with him at weekends. Uh, we used to go to, you know, the Oasis in the morning. Then he started taking me to town matches. And the first one of that season we went to was uh, Wolverhampton, Wolverhampton Wanderers at home. I think we won 3-1 or 3-0. Um, I remember I remember from that game, uh, Phil King, he uh, broke his shorts and I think he mooned the crowd or something like that. Um, but I, I remember from that season, uh, Alan McLaughlin, Alan McLaughlin, Alan McLaughlin, because we had two strikers at the school for fun. I mean, Shearer and White all the time. Anytime Shearer and White were getting marked out of the game, this like terrier like midfielder, Alan McLaughlin, would be in there. He'd be on the end of the scrappy, you know, the corners, the clearances. He was, and he was, he wasn't just, I mean, we had, we had spoiler midfielders in there. We had the likes of Stigger Foley, Ross McLaren, 
who could put a boot in. But Alan McLaughlin could put a boot in, he could put a pass in, he could put a shot in, he could put a header in. He was absolutely fantastic. And the amount of times when the chips were down, he grabbed a game by the scruff of the neck and brought us back into it. You know, it was, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, and then, you know, we know what happened in the end of that season. I was at Wembley. Um, I saw the, you know, the Alan McLaughlin goal, the feeling of euphoria, you know, I've all of a sudden I thought I'm supporting the best team in the world here. Um, and then 10 days later, the emotion happened uh, and all of the horrible aftermath with that. It was bittersweet because after that, um, it was the World Cup, Italian 90. Uh, the World Cup, again, the World Cup of my my, my generation, my my, my life, um, and there was no prouder feeling than seeing Alan McLaughlin representing the Republic of Ireland at the World Cup on the biggest stage, knowing he was a Swindon Town player. Unfortunately, in, in, in your heart of hearts, you knew, for want of a better word, the vultures were swirling. You knew that he was going to move on. You knew they were going to pl- there were teams clubs that were going to take advantage of the situation of us being demoted. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, we held on to him for a few months and and then he left. But he left with every Swindon supporter's um, blessings. Um, Craig, coming coming back to you, Christian's um, in very detailed, very descriptive, and, and you can still hear the, the emotion in his voice when, when he reflects on, on moments like that. Were there any particular moments you, you think back to that what you know that, that stir up similar emotions for you? Yeah, I think it's you know similar to Christian. You know, um, football fans aren't very forgiving when players move move on to different teams. And if anything, Swindon fans are even worse. But yeah, I agree. I, I think Christian uh, tweeted it, you know, he was one of those players that you you wish them well and when he played in the 1990 and even 1994 you know a few years later you sort of you felt like he was one of your own you you, you know even though he'd long gone had left Swindon by that point so yeah I mean so strangely enough for me it was more seeing him in the World Cups in an an Irish shirt for me rather than because I only saw him the once and a few times after the following season we got demoted so um so yeah, just seeing that, and you know, like you say, you think at that time, even for Ireland, there wasn't many um, second-tier players that would make the international squad. So for him to have done that really said a lot about him and the team that he was playing in. Like Christian was saying, we had a, a fantastic team uh, with White and Shearer, and he brought balance to what was a uh, what Ardiles brought in as a diamond midfield, which was quite advanced for the time. So you had McLaren at the base of the diamond and um, McLaughlin at, at the top. And, um, you know, he, he was just such a good player, so ahead of his time, you know, technically gifted. And Ardiles, you know, needs to take credit for getting the most out of him because he he struggled to get into the team under Makari. So, yeah, but, but for me, like I said, obviously the playoff final was, was the highlight for me. And that was my first time watching Swindon Town as, as a kid, because, you know, we saved up to, to go and everything. And um, and obviously watching him on the TV for Ireland in the World Cups. Uh, Warren, for, for a lot of supporters nowadays that they sadly weren't able to see him in a town shirt, obviously we're, we're talking a, a new generation, possibly to an extent two new generations 
of, uh, of town fans. Um, but the sense of loss was still very clear um, with all the, the well wishes that I mentioned at the start on social media and stuff. Um, there was a, a lasting, um, there was a lasting feel for, from what he left as a, a person and a player that, that the younger fans were able to take hold of, wasn't there? Yeah, definitely so. He, I didn't know much about him as a player, but it sounds from the glowing reference from Craig and Christian, he sounded like a midfielder we'd love to have in our team now, wouldn't it really? Do you know what I mean? All day long. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to say I knew more about him and Rich will go on to this as well because he's doing it, but I go and watch a lot of local football and he would go and watch a lot of the Swindon youngsters that were out on loan at these clubs. I go and watch Highworth a lot. I went and watched and he would always be there when we had Soul Price on board and he would go and watch these younger lads. And, you know what I mean? It, it just shows the credit to the man himself that he was... He cared. He goes and what he watched games. He cared about the people that he coached, and that's sort of more what I knew about him more as a coach. Going through with all the youngsters, and you don't hear a bad word about him in the club at all. You just with everything that we go on in our club at the moment. The one thing that was always known is that at the bottom end, where you've got the youngsters and everything like that, Alan McGoughlin, top bloke, top coach, and just a top man himself. And uh, linking into that, Rich, I know that that you know people who either have kids in the academy or you know people associated to the academy. And and as Warren was saying, it, it was a huge loss for for the youngsters, wasn't it? Yeah, I think you can tell straight away by the uh, the tributes that the uh, the academy um, had. Uh, obviously, a minute silence. Uh, before their games that weekend um, after he passed and uh, wearing black armbands. And I think uh, it, ju it just tells you everything of what Alan McLaughlin meant to not only the players that are coming up in the academy, but you've got players that are playing in the first team, which Alan McLaughlin brought through the academy. Obviously, a couple of years ago, you had Sol Price, who made his debut for Swindon, scored two goals against Stevenage. He was part of the academy where Alan McLaughlin was through. And at the moment, at present, you've got Scott Twine, who's hot property to uh, a lot of clubs that are higher up in the EFL. So, um, yeah, and hopefully we keep a hold of Scott Twine. But I think the tributes that they uh, gave on social media, um, and I think the tributes around uh, Swindon, around Portsmouth and around the country, to be quite honest with you. And um, I'm part of uh, a couple of forums uh, in Republic of Ireland as well. Um, being an Ireland fan as well, uh, can tell that uh, everyone, how much Alan McLaughlin meant. Uh, that goal that he scored uh, um, at Windsor Park against Northern Ireland in 93 to send them to the World Cup. Um, it, it's it's just historic and um, watching the Jack Charlton uh, documentary no. a couple of months ago um, basically said it all about what Jack uh, Jack Charlton's vision was for bringing Alan Clocklin on during during that game and for him to score the winner it, just absolutely insane I mean the whole, all the pubs in Ireland just went absolutely uh, mental mm -hmm. it's, it's absolutely amazing it's such a such a story and what a player he was and it, you could tell that he meant so much to so many people no I I watched that documentary as well the the Charlton one and and the way like as you say the way he was spoken about specifically it, it was uh 
it, it was quite moving considering I, as with yourself and Warren I you know he was before my generation I, I never got to to see him but like uh, I think it was I think it was Craig suggested you still feel like he was one of your own kind of thing because of the reputation in terms of the the youth setup Rich and and from what you know and from what you've heard mm. what is it that made him such a good coach as as good a player as he was um, I think it was his presence. I think it was his personality as well. I think obviously the the fact that uh, I mean, obviously a lot of coach can, uh, coaches can say that he's been there and done it, like sort of thing like that. But I think it was just his presence, you know. And um, I I just think the the kids absolutely loved him. They absolutely idolised him just because of what he, what he did and how he brought through players. Um, and it's it's obviously historic that he has done that with Swindon Town. Unfortunately, a lot of them uh, higher up obviously haven't kept on hold of these players. But hopefully, you know, um, yeah, he was it was just from what I've been told and what I've heard, he was just an absolute cracking bloke all round. And I know you wanted to jump in on that as well, Christian. Yeah, I, I think as well with with, with Macker, one of the amazing, one of the great traits he had was. He, he'd always remember a face. He'd always remember you. So even if he hadn't spoke to you for years, uh, I mean, I I left Swindon um, for a few years after those kind of seasons, uh, the, you know, the 1990, early 90s season. I left and I moved back to Swindon as an adult in 1998, sort of six, seven years, years later. I moved into Kingsdown. I wasn't driving then, but I worked at South Marsden, what was the old country club. And I used to um, I used to walk, walk to work from Kingsdown to South Marsden. And he lived in the village. And if he ever saw me walking, he'd stop the car and give me a lift, which was which was amazing. I mean, my, my heroes give me a lift in, a, in a, you know, in his car to work. Um, but that went on, you know, I, I think, for, again, I left and five years later I came back. I saw him in the Jovial Monk. And you know when you're in a supermarket, you sort of know someone and you don't, so you don't make eye contact with him. That wasn't him. That wasn't him. He was, hello, mate, how are you? I'm like, what, what mate? <laughs> and, and, and again, even again in 2011, I, I, when I went to the Village Hotel, uh, what was the Devere in, in West Swindon, he came in, I said, how are you, mate? I said, oh, my God, do you remember me? He said, yeah, I don't remember you. And that was one of his great, you know, I'm freaking barman or, you know, whatever. He, nothing, absolute, absolute nobody. But he remembered me. And, he, he you know, he remember, remembers everyone. He, he just genuinely cared about people and I think especially players or people that, that that he bought you know bought through the academy and everything and linking into to them brilliant memories that, that Christians kindly shared there Craig I know you were saying um before we started recording that you'd read his his book and and learned more about him as a person from it yeah I mean he he had this um a lot of people well, a lot of people said in the tributes but you got this from the book as well that he had a very dry sense of humor a very sort of deadpan look about him and um there's this one uh, funny story um when he was um uh, doing his coaching at um, Portsmouth that the um he, he had a trolley with all the training equipment in and um the security wouldn't let him into the grounds because they said we've had problem with foxes and pest controller in so no one's allowed in and he just basically straight face turned around and said to the security guy do i look like a fox to you 
and just carried on walking on through. And apparently that is just a symbol of, of what he was like. But uh, one of the things that I, I saw about him, he, he just worked so hard. He was so dedicated to his profession, whatever he was doing, even after he retired as a player and he had a couple of normal jobs because he, he just, he didn't earn the money that you get now. And um, he, he, I think he worked in a printing firm for a little while. He, was, he even had a job as a delivery driver, you know, normal everyday jobs. And, um, you know, so he, he was doing that for a little while. And, um, but he was, um, he, he would work so hard and he would bring that sort of same sort of dedication to, to everything. And he'd instill that into the people, the players he worked with and, and all. And um, but one of the, another thing that I saw about him in in the book was that he was fair to everyone, right? If they were fair to him, but if he was wronged, he would tell them. He was, uh, there was one time he was. Um, I mean, I could talk about the book for hours, so I will try and keep keep it brief. There's just so much there; I, I couldn't do it justice. But he, um, between um, being released by Man United and coming to Swindon, he took a trial for Oldham, and they had to do go to this game in France apparently and do play a couple of matches so um so on on the coach on the way back he thought he played well enough to get a, a contract and then uh, one of the um coaches there saying oh you're not going to be um taken on no one's going to be taken on and he found out that the um they were friendly matches that Oldham were obliged to play but they didn't want to take their first team so they just got in to a whole team of trialists saying oh yeah we can you know we'll offer you a contract at the end and, um, and basically I had no intention of signing them. So Joe Royal, of course, old and through and through, was on, on the coach and Anne McLaughlin went up to him and basically told him where to go. And there's several instances like that where if he was wrong, um, similar thing at Pompey where they um, conned him out of his testimonial, which was promised into his contract. He, you know, he kicked off over that. So, so there was this side to him where if he felt a sense of injustice, he would he would call it out, and that's just one of the many amazing things about him as a person and, and his personality. Um, Warren, this is a question for all of you, but I'll start with you. Carrick, it's suggested at least in the modern era that characters are kind of going out of the game. Do you think, particularly at Swindon, we will see someone who, in say 20 years time we're having a, a similar conversation about and, and reflecting on that's had a similar sort of impact it's hard to say now isn't it but it's for a person that means so much to the football club having a playing career here and then coming back and doing some coaching at, um at the club you you're going to look back at it and it's, it's going to be very hard to put give a comparison to someone that could that's done so much for the club with regards to playing and coaching. Um, you can never say never, can you? But it's it's one of those things with the impact that he's had at this football club from, like everyone, all of us have been echoing from the, and not just his career, but the person that he was as well and everything like that. The the guy that you could just, I remember you, you walk into a into a, 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 a pub or when I was at, where I go and watch Highworth, he was, he, he'd walk in, <laughs> And everyone would turn and everyone would know who he is. And he wouldn't, like Christian was echoing to earlier, he'd walk through the crowd of people and everyone would go, all right, Macca, all right, Macca. And every, he would talk to, he would give everyone the time. Do you know what I mean? He wouldn't walk past anyone or ghost anyone or he would always say to you, nod your head or give you a hi. Or, you know what I mean? And that's, 
I can't see that happening to anyone else, that someone walks into an area, you look at him, and he just gives everyone the same sort of time as he walks through. So it's going to be very hard, isn't it, for a legend that he was, you know what I mean, whether we're going to get that again. Similar question, and I don't expect either of you to name names, but perhaps more for, for Christian and Craig. How, you know, is it a case that you could probably count on one hand the amount of people involved with Swindon during your time that's had the, the impact and the effect that, that he had around the club? Um, if I go first, I mean, unfortunately, God bless Alan Mackers, you know, he, he he's passed away far too young, but... There are there are others others there who I would kind of hold in the same same esteem, the likes of John Trollope, Don Rogers. Uh, and you know, there have been other players, maybe not to such an extent as like the likes of Cadiz. It's all been done at a sort of a lower level. Um th- th- there are some there. There are very, very few, though. There are very, very few bona fide legends. Um, who who we do all love and hold in high regard. Maka is definitely one of them. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of many more. So the only person I can find similar is not so much for what he'd done on the pitch, but um, I mean, Lee Peacock is quite well regarded amongst the club. Um, but I can't really, yeah, not not many more. Like, like you say, I mean, legend is a, is a term that's, overused these days and um yeah McLaughlin's there like, like Christian said John Troller Don Rogers but yeah I'd, I'd be hard pressed to find find then anyone else really amongst that John John, John Trollope now he you know he still he still um goes he does a lot of work with the foundation the football foundation where they do the football fans in training which I did um for the over 35s with a slightly expanded waistline he goes there, he talks to me, it's great listening to John Trollope because he just, he's proper old school. There's bloody lot nowadays. And, you know, we used to run up the hill and all that. He's fantastic. He's great listening to. And, you know, he he is one of those. But yeah, like, they are they are few and far between. Um, Mac is certainly one of them. And Rich, throwing it back to the similar sort of question I gave Warren, it is about... With the, the suggestion characters are going out of the game, can you it's hard to see someone like like Maka having the, an impact anytime soon, isn't it? Yeah, I mean there's a legacy that needs to be continued now. And obviously Maka's done one of the best jobs with the Academy. And I from what we believe, it's more than likely gonna be Lee Peacock who's gonna step in as the manager. But he, I mean, no doubt that Peacock will do a uh, will carry on the legacy of what Mac has obviously started. Um, but he's got big shoes to fill, and uh, we can only hope that he continue. And I have no doubt that Lee Peacock, because he absolutely loves um, coaching the youngsters. That's why he he has already said that. That's why he doesn't want the actual first team manager's job yet. He wants to do. Um, he wants to work with the youths so he can push them up and obviously get them into the first team. Um, and I, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's going to be, it's going to be hard, but it's going to be, uh, hopefully um, we can continue to uh, respect and pay tribute to the legend that started um, 
where we are up to now with the academy and hopefully Lee Peacock can carry that forward. Well, I mean, if, if you look at the, the job that Alan McLaughlin did with, with Lee Peacock, considering what he's had to work with budget-wise, he's they've, they've done an amazing job, our academy, to do as well as they have and to bring out bring up the players that we have done, you know, pretty much on a shoestring budget. We don't have the facilities of, you know, big clubs and, and things like that. So for him to have done as well as he did, it just says a lot about him. And he... Some of the tributes I saw, um, uh, there was one from uh, Dion Burton and um, Shay Given, and they talked about Alan McLaughlin as a senior pro and how he would look after them. And I kind of think that was his way of developing the skills he needed to manage younger players and, and, and bring the best out of him. So again, it's just it was another string in his in his bow, really, that he could that he was able to do that and identify talent and and develop them as, as well as he did. And let's not and let's not also forget that you know he's been doing he was doing this with knowing that 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 he had been ill terminally ill for the best part of about eight or nine years. Yeah, two thousand and twelve. I believe he, he was doing all this still with that in the background, still with that in his mind, trying to make other people better, uh, you know, and caring about other people. Where he must have been going through hell himself. Yeah, I mean, if I just jump in there, Christian, again, you know, I don't want to keep going back to the um, book, but what you said there, when you read about the book, and of course he talks about his cancer diagnosis and everything, and it's quite harrowing in places, but it is still, a, you know, it's, it's an interesting read and how his reaction to it. And he's he, he talks about when he was told the news by the doctor, right? And the doctors told him about the cancer and, and everything, that he'd have to have his kidney removed, and uh, do you know what Alan McLaughlin turned around and said to the doctor, I'm sorry. He said, I'm sorry to the doctor. And the doctor was like, well, that's the first time in all these years that I've given this news that a patient's apologised to me. And he said, why, why are you apologising for? And Alan McLaughlin turned around and said, he goes, it must be really, really awful for you to deliver this kind of news. And I mean, that's just... It tells you everything about him, doesn't it, I think? Yeah, the worst moment of yeah. his life. And he goes, and he's thinking of that, that poor doctor who was giving him that news and it's just he put, he put other people first he doesn't he didn't he never put himself first. he always put other players first and I think as a as a person as a character like just going back to what you said five years characters in the game he's just one of the best and you can see why he's so respected not only uh from what he did on the pitch but what he's done off the pitch as well and other uh players um like um one one that I saw was um a text message from Robbie Keane a couple of months before uh, he passed and he was like, oh, I heard that you're not very well and everything like that. How, how are you doing? He, he just responded and he was like, not doing too great, but, you know, getting there and everything like that. But, you know, he's so well respected. And uh, like you say, Craig, you know, um, yeah, no, what a human being he was and what a loss he is to the game of football. And it was uh, it was a, a touching tribute to see what what was able to be put together at the county ground for the for the last game of the season as well um, for him, um, gents. As difficult a subject as it is, it's been a, a pleasure to record this with you. Um, I just want to, for anyone watching, put uh, put it out there that we have put a, a bit of a summer schedule together. 
Um, so hopefully you'll you'll see bits of us over the next couple of weeks where we've got a few different things lined up. Um, thank you for, for the reaction since we started doing this uh, sort of in the middle of the season. It wasn't a great season, obviously, to, to start this kind of thing, but uh, the reaction's been great and we're hoping to continue to improve and continue to entertain into next season. Um, is there any sort of final points anyone would like to make before we finish? Because this is, again, as, as a, a younger fan, if you will, particularly listening to, to you, Christian and Craig, it, it's, it's been a, a great listen as much as anything else for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, you know, for me, he was my my hero, much like much like Christian. You know, one of the first of, I was quite lucky to have many heroes at that period um, for Swindon. But um, but yeah, like, like like just to cap it off, just you know, with the you know the person he was, what he did. You know, he he made he scored over a hundred goals, six hundred odd appearances, I think. And it's a shame we didn't have the stats for assists at the time because he made a lot as well. You know, a lot of those goals, like Christian was saying, with uh, Duncan Shearer and Steve White, it would have been interesting to see how many times um, Alan McLaughlin assisted for them. He's, he's often remembered for the goal at Wembley or the goal, like um, Rich was saying, that he scored against Northern Ireland. But there was so much more to his game than that. And he was just, like, like we said, when it comes to a legend, there's, it's going to be difficult to find someone like him again. And Christian, any, anything you'd like to, to add before we sign off? No, I think I said it earlier. You know, imagine imagine being an offender back then in 1990. You're, you're concentrating on marking Duncan Shearer and Steve White. You, you know, you, you're doing that, but you're all in the, always in the back of your head, you've got Alan McLaughlin that's going to pull out from nowhere in midfield and score a goal. Fantastic. I mean, absolutely, absolutely brilliant player. Um there was a, I, I did, while we were talking, I had a bit of a flashback. I think there was a, in either Match or Shoot magazine in about 1994, there was a rumour in there that we were looking to re-sign him. Never happened, but oh yeah, I was really excited then for a couple of weeks, but never mind. Well, I would say, gentlemen, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure listening to all of you tonight. Um, obviously, c condolences to, to his friends and family and to everyone that was affected by his death uh, and we hope or, or I typically hope that, that anyone who chooses to watch this sort of celebration of, of what, what Macca meant to, to Swindon Town enjoys it for what it is um, and, and hopefully it, it prompts you to, to remember some good memories as well um, but until next time thank you very much and we will see you again soon Cheers guys Cheers, Cheers. Cheers.